Welcome to another episode of the Fire the Family podcast. I'm Nick and this is Kayla and we are back. So it's been a couple months since we've released a podcast episode. A uh, lot's happened since then. A lot of kind of career changes and things came up this last two months, I'd say, uh, that kind of put everything on the back burner. I also released the book, uh, Fire the Family, The Ultimate Guide to Achieving Financial Independence with a Family. It's 229 pages. It's available on Amazon and Kindle and in paperback. Uh, so it's basically everything we talk about, all the concepts and everything from the website and uh, from we're with our story weaved in and through it. So from when we were in high school dating through uh, joining the military, starting a family, getting our education without student loan debt to where we are now, where we just moved our family across the country uh, from Washington to Texas and how we've got ourselves on track to reach financial independence in our 40s, which is, I think, super cool because like overall, our whole concept is really relatable to people that want to have kids young or it doesn't really matter if you want to have kids or not, but it's kind of proof that you can have kids at a young age, do the thing, do the education thing, and then say, okay, cool. We're on track to be millionaires in our mid forties when the kids are out of the house. Today, we're going to talk about the career, career changes. So I guess I let Kayla talk about it first because she had the (laughs) biggest career change in the last two months. And keep in mind, we just moved to Texas in June. So we were like, just getting settled. We're in the house, like everything's going well. We both had our jobs. Part of geo arbitrage is keeping your income relatively the same from the high cost of living while you move to a low cost of living. We'll talk about what happened with the, with you. Part of the way that we were going to move down here was me getting a job. So I basically took the first job that came along. It was at a charter school in um, San Antonio. So a little bit of a drive from where we are, which was fine. Um, I was going to make it work for a year. I did a lot of research on charter schools. And basically what I found was, you know, they can either be really great or really terrible depending on your admin. That's basically everything on Reddit, everything on Glassdoor, everything that I could find anywhere on charter schools. Um, and I had such a great feeling about this charter school. Turns out uh, the administration, the head of school is basically a salesperson. Like, you know, he's just really good at making things sound like they're going to be this amazing like thing and all the school districts here are terrible. And so I was really excited Loved my kindergarten team. Absolutely loved them. But things just got worse and worse and worse with admin. Basically, they were asking me to do things that uh, I did not feel comfortable with. Kind of some just not okay stuff. So I decided that I was going to start job searching and didn't really think much of it. You know, figured something would happen maybe around spring break or into next school year. Um, and I ended up getting a job interview for a long-term sub position. We talked about it and ended up taking it going into next year. Most likely I will end up with a normal, regular teaching job, which will end up getting me a pay raise since I also just completed my master's degree. Yep. So I have that now been a really good change, um, I think for us and a really good segue into me being in the school district next year. That was a big part of looking for the job mid mid school year was that like, Hey, if something opens up in the school district, uh, we need to get our foot in the door. And most of these school districts, like, well, the last two that we've been a part of, it's always who, you know, It is, and getting a chance to get into that school district is, it can be difficult, especially 
I imagine where we're at, there's a lot, you know, high population. We're in kind of a smaller town. And so it's limited based on where we came from as far as how many schools are available, probably. Because we're the town we're in right now is about half the size of where we came from. So that was kind of a big part of it, right? Was was trying to get our foot in the door with a definitely, school district. Definitely. And they're very tight-knit. I'm a hard worker. I do my job and I do extra on top of that. So it basically guarantees that if I do, you know, what's expected and beyond, I'm going to have a job next year, yeah. which is exciting. Well, the nice thing is, is her job's super secure compared to mine. Yeah. Because mine changes month to month just based on being part of private equity and the whole game of software as a service and everything like that. So... Uh, my job was going through some changes the, at the same time as, as we were going through this with Kayla's. And so uh, I started looking around on LinkedIn and kind of dusted off my resume a little bit uh, to see what was out there because we uh, we were going through such a big change where they're basically getting rid of my department and merging us with another department. So I'm an account manager and we are merging with the customer success team, which is basically just customer support. And so now we're going to be customer success managers. And so it's a little bit less selling, less sales opportunity. I'll be managing about a fifth of the accounts that I had and be doing taking on a lot more of a support role. And didn't know how I felt about that at the beginning. There wasn't a lot of information or clarity for about a month. So just to be sure and just to be safe, I started kind of looking to see what was out there. And what I found was really most of the industry is doing the same thing. And so it comes down to income at that point and it's job security. And I already know our products. Yeah. I'm, I consider myself a kind of a subject matter expert when it comes to the software that we sell. I spend a lot of time and a lot, take a lot of pride in understanding the the stuff that we're talking about with customers. So to start over is like, was really daunting to me. And then as soon as Kayla had the opportunity to interview and, and took the job being the long-term sub to get in the school district, it was like, okay, we can only bite off one right. big piece of right. risk at a time. Well, and the risk in mine right now is that, I mean, I'm guaranteed to have this position until, you know, Christmas break. And then as soon as the new year hits, we don't know if this teacher is going to end up coming back or not. From the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like she will. It sounds like I will be in this specific position for the remainder of the school year. But if not, then yeah. it goes to me just like being a regular sub, not a long-term sub, which is I'm in the income. same yeah. classroom with the same students for this amount of like long amount of time. Basically that just this covering for out. the teacher that's out for a long yeah. period of time. And, um, a regular sub gets paid like half what I'm getting paid now. So it would be us like being really careful with our budget for a few months until I can um, get, get that full-time teaching position for, you know, the next year. So that's the risk in what we're doing now for my job. But at the same time, it's like, so worth it to to take this risk because it's going to guarantee a big pay raise for me next school year yeah so she'll have not only this moving from the charter school to school district pay mm-hmm. raise but all but also the master's pay raise yes. which will kick in next year and the way to think the way we think of it is our household income so when we moved uh we had a set household income of x amount of dollars and then we got settled here and these changes happened and like when it, the way we look at it is we have an emergency fund we have income coming in each month we could pare down the budget further if we need to or wanted to, and um, we can we can make it happen. And so uh, our household income, relative, if she went and substituted, you know, for four months, wouldn't really take that big of a hit right. in the long game. So it's kind of 
it's kind of like your short term versus long term right. goals and and what we're what we're trying to set up and so we didn't know moving down here that that she would want to move schools and, yeah. and, but it's nice to have the flexibility to be able to do that right. without like us being super stressed out all the time and it was more of like a quick conversation like mm-hmm. yeah let's i mean let's see how much you're gonna make and and then we can we can make sure to save that amount of money so if in case you don't you know you have to go at halftime we'll still have that difference so but the long-term goal being getting her in a school district where she's happy and has both of those pay increases and so by taking this small risk Next year, our household income will probably grow by another 10 or 15% on top of what it was this year. And this is my most lucrative time of year. And I have some pretty hefty paychecks coming in from the sales side just because it's the end of the year. And my biggest contracts that I manage are coming due uh, next month. And so uh, we are expecting pretty decent windfall uh, this year, much bigger than last year. So the nice thing is, is our household income is still growing while we're going through these these changes. And mm-hmm. But it's all being about, about being a team. Like I understand that she wasn't happy where she was at. She was stressed out by the job she was working at. She was unhappy with the people she was working for and the things they were asking her to do. And she had this opportunity. And so it's like, well, what, I mean, what's most important? And most important is that you enjoy like your life. And that you're, right. you're, you know, you're not, if you're spending time away from your kids, like we are, and our kids are in daycare, it's important that that time is mm-hmm. well spent mm-hmm. and that you're, you're not being the best version of yourself for your students if you hate your job. Right. So, and with COVID, it was actually a pretty good timing because she had a pretty small classroom at the at the charter school, like very small. I like, only had twelve students, yeah, which is insane. Normally, there's thirty two in one of their classrooms. So yeah, so pretty interesting. We didn't have charter schools where we were from, so we didn't know about any of this stuff. And and it's, it was kind of a neat journey mm-hmm. though. Uh, this last month, our oldest is still going to school. He uh, with COVID and everything like that. Mm-hmm. These this is super interesting. Uh, kind of a tangent, but they ended up the school district ended up sending home like seven hundred kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was a couple positive Within, cases. And this is from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Yeah. Like the whole entire school district. So over multiple schools yeah, so, all the way through grade school to high school. So lots and lots of children. Yeah. So, I mean, in the whole school district, 700 probably it, isn't that right, big. That, yes. But that's still a significant number. The, the interesting part is, is that after two weeks of like self-quarantining, yeah. they had five total cases, I think is what it was. And they were, most of them were the teachers, which probably caught, caught it outside of the school district. Like the, they're not seeing any sort of a transmission among, among right. the school districts, which I think is super, or among the, the schools in the district, which, uh, with the kids, which I think is super interesting because mm-hmm. it's ramping up again. The cases are starting to come out of the woodwork all over the country. Uh, the schools back where we're from are catching it and teachers are catching it. And it seems to be kind of happening all over again, what we mm-hmm. went through six, four months ago, four, six months ago. And, uh, but interesting enough, we haven't, our kid hasn't been affected or his school hasn't been no. affected. They just wear the masks every day. <clears throat> and, and what Nick was going with, with the 700 cases or the 700, um, people that they sent home to quarantine and only five getting it. Then they came out with a statement saying like, okay, we're changing our parameters for people having to quarantine. So instead of like, um, being in close contact with your mask now they're saying like well only if you're in close contact without a mask like they were um making those parameters smaller so that they don't have to send as many people home um which is nice since they had deemed like it was you know safe because they had sent all these people home but no one ended up testing positive other other than the five um that for sure had had it so that was nice um because because, 
you know, that was kind of my only concern with Riker wanting to be in school was that, okay, well, is he going to just have to go back and forth and back and forth in between this distance learning and being in school? Like, it is what it is this year. But luckily enough, I mean, he they haven't had to come home at all. Like his yeah. class has been there and they've been there this whole year. And I mean, it's been fine. And um, in the charter school I was at right before I was leaving, teachers started catching it. So there was at least five that I like know of confirmed cases. So like I got tested because I wanted to make sure oh, yeah. I didn't have Forgot it, you that. know, with asymptomatic. <laughs> so I had to go get tested. Luckily I was negative, um, and never developed any symptoms, but you know, it's kind of, it's just crazy. It's kind of crazy times with, with being in the schools and having to, you know, watch this kind of unfolding in the school district. I'm not too worried as a, as a teacher, but I know there's other people that are pretty concerned about it. Yeah, my worry level has gone down dramatically as time's gone on. And yeah. I, it's probably the fatigue, the coronavirus fatigue, just being kind of tired uh-huh. of the whole thing. And I mean, we're, we are within the demographics that have an extremely high chance of not even having symptoms uh, or having mild, mild symptoms. And none of the, neither of us have compromised immune systems. And we don't, we live kind of on an island out here. We, we don't, we have family visit us once or twice a year. But we don't interact with really that many people unless we go to the store or something. Right. And even then, we don't really interact. So we wear masks and do that. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like we're pretty safe from it, I would say. I mean, unless our kids bring it home from school or daycare. Uh, because I sit at home. I work from home all day. And yeah. I can go a whole week without going. I mean, I, most unless we go out to eat or mm-hmm. I run to Lowe's, I don't leave the house. Like, there's nowhere for me to go. Right. Yeah, I might run up to the grocery store and grab some food. But, like, some meat to smoke on the, the smoker. But... Uh, other than that, like, so, you know, I know there's, there's lots of ways to catch it, but we, every time we go eat out, we pretty much sit outside. We're really happy to be here in Texas. And yes. I, we went swimming at the end of October <laughs> and it was 90 degrees out. I jumped in the river it and it was wonderful. awesome. It was wonderful. It was so awesome. Because yeah, the weather is so around. wonderful here. <laughs> the, weather, the weather is wonderful here. Shorts and, and t-shirts in almost the middle of November. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you caught us on a Sunday best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, before we started this, I was unsure it's like, oh, I don't know if I should wear basketball shorts and a workout shirt, you know, like for <laughs> doing a podcast, but it's, it's the real, it's reality. Got our Texas driver's licenses. License we voted plates. for the first time in Texans, person. Which was super interesting because being from Washington, Seattle just controls everything, right? As far mm-hmm. as like what, how the vote goes for the mm-hmm. electoral college. But being in Texas, it's really interesting because no matter what side of the coin you're on, like yeah you actually it's like close. you feel it's, like your it's vote technically actually a battleground really right yeah so <laughs> yeah. your vote matters no matter who you're voting for it it yes. really matters uh because you, you're not it's not guaranteed no. to be red it's not guaranteed to be blue Mm-mm. and so it was kind of an interesting time this year we had to vote yeah. in person because we were always used to voting uh with the mail-in with ballots the mail in washington, in washington. that's how they've always done it yep and uh so this was an interesting year to vote I liked it. I like going and voting in person. I did too. I thought it was fun because I remember being little and going with my parents to go vote in person. And I don't remember when they switched it over, but I mean, I don't even know that there are any places you can go vote in person in yeah, Washington. Maybe. Well, you can drop your ballot off. There's yeah, like ballot drop off boxes. There are ballot drop off boxes, but I don't think that there are actual like you go and you get to vote in person stations. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're doing that anymore. But I remember being a kid and going to the mm-hmm. elementary school and yep. voting with my, yep. watching my mom vote. Yep. That was, in, that was awesome. And then, you know, as we've been adults, it's been mail-in voting. So, yeah. Um, so it was really cool to do it in person yeah. for sure. And then we voted in Washington from Kansas when I was in the military yes. absentee or whatever. Yep. And then uh, we voted in person here, which was cool. I like going, I like getting in the line. There was only like five people in my line 
going yeah. through the line and doing the yeah. doing the whole the whole deal. So it was neat and uh, been pretty crazy. We'll see how how it all pans out in the next few weeks or months or uh, who, knows? who knows what's going to happen, but uh, that's pretty wild time. I, out of all of this, I'm, I prefer if they could just figure out a way to like, everybody goes and votes and then you get like, they, you get the results on a set day, like on election day, like they, you vote early, maybe right. they all vote way earlier right. and then they tally them all up Something. like quietly, like without yeah. you, without, yeah. every, without, you know, dropping results every, fanfare. every five yeah. hours, they're going to drop, you know, thousand batches of of ballots yeah. and which is kind of lame and so instead like tally it all up be quiet like just tally it up make sure it's done accurately and, and concisely and then on election day just present the results <laughs> yeah i feel like you could i feel like you could avoid so much heartache so if, much drama if you're not sitting there waiting for pennsylvania like to yeah. drop you know batches of 10,000 50,000 ba- ballots yeah. at a time from random counties it just it takes away the question if you're just like, hey, here's the here's results. Yeah. It's results day. No longer yeah. is it election day. It's, it's results, results day. day. Yeah. That's what I would prefer. Yeah. I just bought my garage gym yeah. uh, power rack. So, which this actually goes really well because we were just joking silently about <laughs> silently. about spending money and I'm like about things that we've just purchased. I'm like, no, this is a thing about, this is a podcast about saving mm-hmm. money and budgeting. Um, but here's an interesting topic is that... Uh, by spending $275 on a power rack on the internet, 300 bucks after it shipped, uh, I'm potentially saving hundreds or thousands of dollars yeah. in future gym expenses. Basically, we used to both go to a 24-hour gym mm-hmm. and uh, 30 bucks, 35 bucks a person, so 60, $70 a month yeah. for both of us to go monthly. And that was like when we were just, we just had the membership. For us to do a 24-hour gym, it's like 60, 70 bucks a month. And instead, uh, we've got the, I got the, I went to Home Depot and I got the, the rubber mats from Home Depot. They're like puzzle pieces and they're actually a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And then I gorilla tape them together to make sure they don't slip. And so I have like a, what, a 10 by 10 section, yeah, 10 by about. 10 by 10, uh, in the garage where, um, I've got my, my, the equipment that I have so far, I bought a bar and, uh, steel plates off of Craigslist for a couple hundred bucks. And that was great to get started because I hadn't worked out for like six months because of COVID and moving yeah, and craziness and all sorts of stuff. So I hadn't, we had just done like body weight exercises mm-hmm. for a while. And so getting back in the swing of it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, a couple hundred bucks, I can get the weight in the bar and I'll get the rack later because I have a ways to go to get my strength back anyways. And so just was working with the bar a lot in the last couple of months. And then uh, with Black Friday coming out and everything being out of stock because it's out of stock because everyone's making their own home gyms. Right. Everyone's got the same idea. Uh, but the overall goal was like, Hey, I'm probably going to spend thousand dollars in the next 12 months building out a home gym when we moved. And if I do that, how many months will it be until it pays for itself and not mm-hmm. having to pay for a gym membership? So if you take a thousand dollars and divide a thousand by 60, let's say 60 bucks a month, that's 16 months. You'll, uh, my, my home gym will pay for itself. And then every month after that, is $60 that we're not having to spend that we own the equipment. It's the same concept of, of buying a house versus renting a house, but on a smaller scale. Right. And so the idea is like the money's already been spent. It's something that I own. And the cool thing about workout equipment is if you ever want to upgrade or just get out of the, get out of the, the, the practice of it, uh, it holds its value. I mean, it's just steel. Most of it's just steel right. equipment. And so you can resell it on the secondary market. And a lot of people will get started with a small gym, like home gym, and then upgrade stuff and then just resell their old stuff. And 
it all just paid kind of pays for itself. So pretty excited about that. Um, definitely not trying to break the bank on still doing it on a budget. Right. Um, but I'll have like a full, full scale, like everything I need to be mm-hmm. able to do in the gym in my house, which I don't have to drive to the gym. I don't have to be exposed to any sort of illnesses at the gym. Uh, mm-hmm. I get to spend more time with the kids. They get to see me working out, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of something I didn't realize when I got when I started the home gym. They was, always want to go out there and work out with dad. Yeah, like, and they it's, think it's, it's the coolest thing. Especially my oldest is eight years old, and he's gonna be he's in sports or he's mm-hmm. in baseball, and gonna be continuing on with that. And and them seeing dad go out three times a week or on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, regularly, going out to the gym and, and working out, I think it's just like good habits. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm taking care of my body, exercising eating right. And this is what happens, right? Like, yeah, dad gets stronger and gets rid of the dad bod or avoids <laughs> the dad bod. So, um, it's been neat. It's been a neat thing. I really like having it. I like being able to just walk out into the gym, the home gym and work out and then go right into the shower. And I'm not having to like be around other people. I'm not having to like, sometimes the gym showers are pretty nasty. And, uh, yeah, so far, I mean, I'm never going to need to leave the house. I work from home. <laughs> I work out at home. We've got a back patio that we're yeah. finishing up and watch football at home. Yeah. So I got a home brew set up so I can beer, brew beer yes, at home. Yeah. I'm never going to need to leave. No, he's not. <sighs> Ready for the end of the world. Uh, go check out firethefamily.com. Check out the book and on Amazon. We have a lot of free tools and resources. So the goal is to like get the word out there, talk about some of these things and how it's worked for us, and then entice you to come visit us at firethefamily.com. Check out the fire calculator, which is like my most, I'm most proud of that. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, it allows you to punch in a, your, your current information, your age now, how much money you currently have invested, uh, how old you want to be when you reach financial independence, and then how much you're contributing uh, each and every month or annually. And then what it does is it plots it on a graph and it gives you your compound interest curve and then has your kind of fire target that you want to reach. And you can see like clearly like, hey, I'm on track for this or hey, I'm not on track for this. And we check, I check ours like every month or so or every couple months and just to see if what we're doing is keeping us on track for it. And uh, and you put in your average rate of return. So, you know, if you're saving, you know, 500 bucks a month at 8% interest and you can see how that grows over time. And, uh, it's really kind of the whole philosophy is that you can take the guesswork out of all of this. You can, it's a mathematical formula. Like, yeah, you can't guarantee what returns you're going to get in the stock market in any given year, but you can, you can kind of accept that historically the stock market's returned eight to 10% annualized over the long period of time. That doesn't mean every single year it's been 8%, but some years it's 20, some years it's negative two, some years it's 15, but it averages out to be eight to 10%. And if we're investing from the age of, we started at like 21, uh, from 21 to 45 or 30 to 60 or like 20, 30 year time span, like you can, you're, you can expect you're going to land somewhere in that eight to 10% uh, interest rate. So towards the end of the year, we'll do another one. I'm going to print off our, our returns for the year. Because currently my 401k is like doubling what the market's returned so far year to date, which is super exciting. And then uh, we'll print off our IRAs and stuff and see how they've performed. And we'll talk about it here on, and kind of how we invest passively. We don't like to be super involved in what we're doing. Right. I have a small amount of money off to the side of my IRA that I do some value investing with. It's been pretty successful. I've been pretty excited about that this year so far. So we'll talk about that too. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out on another podcast episode.